Comics. Comics. Welcome to the Omen Comics Podcast, where we talk about our experiences, influences, and tips on writing comics as the creators of the Omenverse. And as geeks, we often like to celebrate geek holidays, as well as talk about our favorite comics, television shows, and movies, too. I'm your host, Michael Nunley, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-worker, Steve Sellers. Today, we celebrate the future. Well... A particular day in the future, and that day is Stardate 47457.1, which, as you may or may not know, is Captain Picard Day. Uh, Steve and I are pretty big Trekkies, and so we had to celebrate such an awesome day as this. In preparation for today, we have spent the last couple of weeks pouring over all things Picard, from uh, TV shows like Next Generation and Picard to the films, uh, particularly Nemesis as it pertains to the series Picard. Um, and we also read the Picard Countdown comic book series by IDW. Our goal was to come up with uh, who Pe Captain Picard is, his character, uh, and what episodes or comics uh, or films uh, defined him the best. Um, first, let's let's go over uh, kind of what you would read in his file if you were to look over it. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard was born July 13th in 2305 in Lavar, France. He was celebrated. He was a celebrated Starfleet officer. Um, he was a archaeologist, writer, a historian, and a diplomat who served throughout much of the 24th century, as we've seen in the Next Generation series and the films, as well as uh, the Picard series. The highlights of his career were centered around assignments as commanding officer of the Federation starships, uh, the USS Stargazer. Uh, the USS Enterprise-D and the Enterprise-E. In these roles, Picard not only witnessed major turning points of recent galactic history, but he also played a key role in them, from making first contact as captain of the Federation's flagship with no fewer than 27 alien species, including the Ferengi and the Borg. Can you imagine trying to do first contact with those two? <laughs> He also became the chief contact point with the Q Continuum and served as arbiter of succession of the Klingon Empire, where he presided over the invest investiture, I can pronounce that word, of, of Chancellor uh, Galron. Picard would expose the Romulan Star Empire as backers of Gowron's chief rivals, later aiding uh, a Romulan underground movement of dissidents to gain a toehold on the Romulan homeworld. He continued to serve as captain of the Enterprise-E, the Sixth Federation starship to bear that name, until the late, until at least the early 2380s. Following his command of the Enterprise-E, he rose to the rank of Admiral, but later chose to resign from Starfleet, feeling that the organization had strayed from its, from its ideals, or in his words, because it was no longer Starfleet. That's... Uh, 
with dealing with uh, trying to evacuate uh, the Romulans uh, to get them out of the blast from the supernova and Starfleet uh, basically abandoning the Romulans uh, in that pursuit, uh, which is something that Picard viewed to be criminal, uh, which is why he said they were no longer Starfleet. Um, now, that's what you would read in Picard's file. Um, but there is more to a person than what is in their files. Uh, but first, let's get to the holiday itself. Um, Captain Picard Day was an annual event held aboard uh, the Enterprise D for the ship's school children. Uh, activities included much to Captain Picard's chagrin, I might <laughs> add. Um, a contest that would be judged by Captain Picard himself, in which the children created paintings and models of the captain. Picard wasn't very fond of the event himself, and as he generally did not respond well to children, um, he kind of just, you know, put up with it. Um, but I find it interesting that despite his apparent disdain for the event, Picard retained the banner that they made up, that they had all painted up on that uh, big old thing. We see it at the Starfleet Museum of Quant Quantum Archives uh, mm -hmm. in Picard uh, Remembrance uh, it, uh, episode, the very first one in 2399. So for all of his, uh, this makes me uncomfortable, I don't like this, it clearly meant something to him. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Picard definitely has a habit of um, kind of looking stiff upper lip and all of that, but deep down he actually cares about uh, kids, uh, even even if he may not care about parenting himself. Well, I, I find it, consider this also, that in uh, Generations, when Picard was in the, uh, uh, what do you call it, that strip that they were trying to get to, mm -hmm. In Generations, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, I think so. Anyway, when Picard was in the Nexus, when Picard was inside the Nexus, his vision of a perfect life was with a wife and children, a family. Yeah, yeah. The very thing he, he says he's not really comfortable being. <laughs> Maybe he's kind of afraid he's not good at it. Right? He's better than he thinks, of course. <laughs> so... The Trekkie holiday, Captain Picard Day, has been celebrated since uh, June 16th, 2007. Uh, they celebrated on, on June 16th because they believe that's uh, to be equivalent to the star date uh, 47457.1, which is mentioned in, the, mentioned in the episode The Pegasus, which is where they get the whole thing from in the first place. Uh, there is some debate as to whether or not Captain Picard Day actually took place on that date or before in the episode, but either way, June 16th has been accepted as the official canon for Captain Picard Day. With that out of the way, let's get to Picard. who Picard is just beyond the bullet points of his file. Uh, I'm going to discuss his finer points, and Steve will provide the counterpoints, but... What I think you'll find interesting about this is that we there there are still similar conclusions. Uh, above all else, it seems that Picard values morality and proper ethics, uh, which 99.9% .9 of the time uh, falls right in line with the, the values of Starfleet, 
which is why he uh, loves Starfleet so dearly and why he's so uh, dedicated to his duty. Uh, he's also, uh, that's why he was so hurt by it when Starfleet fails like they did with the Romulans. Um, the moral and ethical compass of Picard includes his strong beliefs in the rights of all sentient life. Uh, and that's regardless of convenience or, or anything. Uh, he, he, loves, he, he loves honor. He loves duty. He loves reason, justice, and truth. Um, he, is, he is unwavering in these things, too, regardless of sentimentality, uh, which, as we find out in The Measure of a Man, uh, he is not given to. Um, and in that episode from season two, episode nine, Picard is willing to stand against his, uh, beloved Starfleet for the rights of Data, a sentient Starfleet officer. Um, you know, just, just how beloved, uh, is Starfleet and duty to Picard, you might ask. Well, I, Picard answers that quite well in the very first episode of the original series, in the two-part episode Encounter at Farpoint. Uh, Riker, uh, Picard says that uh, he will attend to his duty, and that means he's walking off into danger. And Riker asks Picard if he's willing to attend to his duty to the very bitter end. And Picard responds, I see nothing so bitter about that. Uh, I think a lot is said about Picard's position uh, with Starfleet uh, in that sentence. Uh, even facing danger and death, uh, he can be proud of that uh, because he is attending to his duty. Um, but also, as Q pointed out uh, in that same episode, Picard also has a belief in humanity, uh, much like the creator Gene Roddenberry did. Um, and, uh, in, in that particular episode, Picard is speaking, uh, of how he, how Gene Roddenberry viewed, uh, things would be in the future when he's talking about the, uh, progress that, uh, man has made up until at least the 24th century at that point. Um, yeah, Picard I, is, I would say, I would say that, um, Picard, in many ways, represents the ideals that uh, Roddenberry wanted to espouse. As a character, he represents those things. So, yeah, that comes across. Totally. Totally. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I really I really get that impression that, um, uh, you know, from you talk, you, you talk to how uh, Roddenberry about how he felt about the uh, original series. But then uh, later he talked about how he felt so restrained during that time period that he wasn't able to uh, really get into uh, uh, the, the meat of what, he, what, he, what his vision was for the future. And I think we see that a lot in Picard. Mm -hmm. um, Picard is, as I said, a, a man of honor and a very good friend. This made... This is made totally evident in the Sins of the Father episode from Season 3. Uh, Worf asks Picard to be his Chadich, uh, claiming that there is no other person he would rather have by his side. Uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, for a Klingon to say this, especially to a human, is the highest honor uh, a Klingon can give. Um, 
Captain Picard, being a man of honor and a good friend, uh, accepts uh, to be his Chadich. But but think about this. In the original series, Picard is 50 years old. Um, I feel pretty limited in uh, my ability to do half the things that Picard did in that series, and I'm 44. Clean <laughs> uh, living in the future. <laughs> right? <laughs> um but he puts his life on the line to become Worf's Chadish. Um, and in doing so, uh, he fights two Klingons uh, in a hallway. I mean, confronted with two Klingons, um, I think there are many humans who would run. Bacard uh, chose to stand there and fight them. And now, granted, he was, he was saved by someone else, but... He still stood up and was was willing to, to fight them. And uh, even when uh, another Klingon rushed at Worf uh, during the trial, um, Picard stood and jumped in between him and Worf, uh, ready to fight him. Um, I, I don't know. I, as a guy who's uh, done uh, quite a bit of fighting in my younger days, um, I, I'm... I'm ridiculously impressed with with his, I, I don't know, balls, for lack of a better word. That's um, a very consistent you, thing we'll find about him, and that comes back up in Tapestry as well. Right, right. Um, let's see. He desperately, during that trial, also fought to defend uh, Worf. Uh, he, he he had him and his crew uh, investigating the claims of the Klingon High Council out of a sense of honor, duty, and friendship. Uh, I think that this is the highest honor that one can give a Klingon. To stand by their side, put their life on the line for them, and to fight for them. Uh, that's, that's the epitome of honor in Klingon society. Um... Picard's belief in the preciousness of all life and his duty to Starfleet uh, can be seen in the episodes uh, The Last Outpost, uh, it's episode four from season one with the Ferengi, or uh, even in Darmok from season five, episode two with the Tamarians. In both cases, Picard was in the face of danger, and it would have been easier and even understandable to resort to violence. Uh, but Picard insisted on diplomacy, uh, uh, peaceful diplomacy, a principle that he shares with Starfleet, another reason why that bond is so strong. We see that again in, uh, Picard, count in the Picard Countdown series. As he's trying to uh, intercede for the rights of the Uyati, uh, they they were uh, a slave race on this on this planet uh, uh, Uyati Beta, Uyat Uyat Beta. Sorry, I, I added an E on there. And uh, the Romulans had been just using them as a slave race and were willing to just dispose of them. They weren't even planning on having them evacuated with him, and. Uh, uh, Picard just would not stand for that, uh, just like he did in Measure of a Man. Um, he, 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 he believes so much in the, the rights and value of sentient life uh, that 
uh, he's willing to to fight for them, um, even at the cost of his career, as we see in Picard, um, where he wants to. Well, what? Or his own life, even we see that with the Borg. Right, right, and uh, even in, in Picard. Speaking of Measure of a Man, we once again see him standing up for the rights of synthetic life forms. Uh, the, these th that is my that is my case, as you could put it, for uh, uh, the good characteristics of Captain Picard. Uh, why I believe him to be such an honorable and a good man. But, um, Steve, you have some counterpoints for that. Yeah, I, I think it's generally true, everything that he's saying. I mean, I'm certainly not going to say that he's not honorable. He certainly believes in those things. But he wasn't always that guy. It took him some time to grow into that man, um, as we saw in Tapestry, where he relives his life um, and uh, Q kind of guides him uh, in a wonderful life uh, type of montage. Um, so what had happened was is that he was a brash one young man at one time. Um, he was kind of like Jim Kirk at one point. Uh, we see that he's getting into fights with big burly Nausicans. Uh, and so you can understand how he becomes the guy that can fight a bunch of Klingons on his own because he was doing the same thing decades earlier, fighting these Nausicans in a bar brawl uh, because, uh, because they had cheated at Dom Jock. Um, so you get to see those kinds of things. Um, you know, he, he had um, a lot of women on the side, uh, much like Kirk did. Um, he was more brazen about it in his youth. Um, he, he, he kind of uh, cooled that down um, as he got older, more or less, but there was always a little bit of that there. Hold um, on, hold on. Hold it. Cooled mm -hmm. it down? Kirk yeah. slept with a woman in almost every episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, Picard, yeah, but Picard had like three people uh, at one time in, in, in tapestry. Uh, and actually, even Q had to say, oh, you were a cad. Uh, and he sounded almost <laughs> impressed with Picard when, when he says this. So, yeah, I would say they probably both have a, a pretty long string. I, I think they could probably compare conquests. It's just that Kirk never stopped. <laughs> So, but yeah, this this is who Picard uh, is to a certain extent. So uh, you can kind of see why he respects uh, people like her, because and and why he respects people like Riker, because he used to be like that. Um, but he, he ultimately he never really settles down, um, even though he does kind of like uh, cool his jets a little bit. Uh, the closest that he comes is with Beverly Crusher. Um, certainly in, in the All Good Things timeline, uh, he does end up marrying her. Um, ends up they end up getting divorced later, but. Yeah, I have to say, like, I have always kind of wanted to see them together, and, and I always kind of headcanon them together. Um, totally. I shipped those two so hard. <laughs> I hope we'll see her in uh, Picard at some point. Um, but, yeah, so so basically that's kind of where his uh, life had gone. Um, he relives his life in tapestry, and, and it kind of makes him realize that those youthful indiscretions and those, the people that he was is what made him the captain that he was. Um, because when he decides not to do those things uh, the second time, you know, he ends up becoming a boring, uh, inconsequential officer who amounts to nothing. And Picard's like, no, you know what? I would rather die <laughs> than be that person. I'm going to be the person that, you know, was causing all kinds of mayhem as a, as a young man. So, you know, he definitely, and he definitely still has that. Uh, he's up, he definitely still has that 
part of him that is willing to fight if necessary. It's just that it's a lot more controlled, it's more sublimated, and it mostly comes out when Picard needs it to or when he is trying to pull some kind of a tactical maneuver. Um, he will risk his life, he will risk his crew if he has to, um, you know, and you'll, he won't back down from a fight if he thinks it's justified. He just prefers not to. That's kind of his thing. Um, yeah, so we kind of see also that uh, this also allows him to resist the Borg. Uh, even when he was Locutus, there's a certain element of him that's a fighter. And he's always fighting against, uh, you know, for what he believes in, basically. And, and he does this uh, even when he's, like, uh, captured by the Borg. Uh, we definitely see uh, a lot of that, um, you know, particularly with the, there are four lights, uh, you know, that that whole thing when he was tortured by the Cardassians. I mean, we, we definitely see all these kinds of things. Um, and I think that Picard on some level is drawn to um, officers who used to be like him. And uh, if you look at Commander Riker and Commander Shelby from Best of Both Worlds, they definitely embody the Picard of old, shall we say. Um, and and right. actually, Riker remarks at the end of the episode, I would like to have met the younger Picard. Um, and I, I have to say, I think they would have had interesting things to say to each other. And I think they would have gone <laughs> along pretty well. <laughs> the younger Riker as well. Um, right. Um, and in addition, um, Picard also has a stubborn streak. Uh, he can be very doggedly stubborn, especially in pursuit of a mission. Um, if he has, you know, he, he's kind of like a mad dog. He won't let go. Um, so he, he, once he has this mission, he will not compromise unless it's completed or resolved in some way for good or bad. Um, we see this in uh, unification. You know, he will not leave Romulus until uh, Spock's mission is done um, and he can report back to Starfleet. Um, and it doesn't matter if he's putting himself at risk. Um, it doesn't matter if he's putting, you know, his ship at risk. He will do this because the mission matters to him. Um, we also see it in All Good Things, uh, the last episode, um, where he just will not give up on going to the Devron system. Um, and it comes across as Picard's uh, suffering from extreme dementia. But uh, this is a thing that's always been part of him. Um, you know, he's not going to stop until he finds his answers. He's not going to stop until uh, justice is done. Um, that's just who Picard is. And, and in many ways, it's a good thing. I mean, this is, this is one of those things that is often good about Picard. But sometimes he can kind of go to an extreme with it, and, and it's not always a good thing. Uh, this stubbornness is actually what leads him um, almost to destroy humanity because he doesn't realize um, that... His stubborn, um, you know, pushing of, of finding what's going on in the Devron system is what creates the subspace anomaly that almost destroys mankind. So um, he can this can definitely be used against him. Um, and then you have in the case of Picard, uh, where you know he's so driven to um, repay Data or or at least to honor Data um, because Data had saved his life. Um, that he's willing to help uh, Soji, his android daughter, whatever it takes at the cost of his career, at the cost of his reputation, um, at the cost of his life. You know, he's willing to do this, whatever it takes. Um, he's at this point, he's kind of an old man. He doesn't care anymore. He's going to go out doing what he thinks is right, whatever the cost is. And um, he just will not give up on her. Including facing 218 Romulan warbirds. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This you know Picard does does not mess around when he's on a, when he's on a mission. 
I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Um, he tends to be self-reliant to a fault. Um, you know, he tends sometimes he tends to keep his own counsel to the point where he doesn't tell anybody what's going on. And sometimes it's for good reasons. Um, he, he does uh, do this uh, in all good things uh, when he's in the past. And it doesn't seem to matter to him that's like, okay, you're not really changing the past. <laughs> um, this was confirmed. You you know this. Why are you hiding all this stuff from from your crew? Um, but it it, it go, it's a part of who Picard is. You know, he has to solve the problems himself on his own merits. He can't take any risks um, with the future at all. Um, so even even in that case, it's like, no, I'm going to I'm going to solve this problem. It doesn't matter if my crew doesn't trust me. I know what's right. I'm going to do what's right. So that's that's kind of where he uh, goes at times with that. Um, he also does the same thing later in uh, Picard, uh, where he tries not to tell Will and Deanna what he's really up to and why he brought Soji to their planet. Um, and he's doing it, you know, to protect them. But the thing is, is like, no, uh, we're your family. Uh, we're, we're willing to take the risk for you, um, you know, because we've gone through hell for you and you for us. Um, and, and that's and that's who what that relationship is at that point. Uh, but yeah, Picard, uh, Picard tends to go in alone even when he shouldn't at times. Um, and sometimes it's in a good way and sometimes it's not. Um, He's also not one for asking for outside help. Uh, sometimes he will if he feels like he has to tactically. You know, sometimes he'll turn to people even he doesn't like. Like, he'll turn to Galron sometimes. Um, you know, as, as much as Galron uh, sometimes infuriates him. Um, you know, he'll ask you for things, even though he and Q are very contentious. Um, but for the most part, um, he, he, he does try to go it alone, and he does try to do it his way in his own, uh, in his own style, uh, whatever that costs him. Um, yeah, so the thing is, is that uh, really Picard's flaws are his virtues taken to an extreme when he's going too far with it. Um, um, and and one and this one interesting thing from All Good Things that I found, and that was that um, he actually admits to Worf that yeah, I I do uh, you know take advantage of you sometimes you know, because you do believe in honor and loyalty, and so do I, and and so. Um, you know, Worf is like, yeah, that's true. And 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 every single time he comes to Picard's side, because, you know, Picard and, and Worf ultimately value the same things. And Worf is a, somebody who values loyalty, honor, and duty um, above everybody else. And Picard is in many ways the same. Um, and we see that also with the uh, the right of succession, you know, with uh, with the, with the, the Kamash thing. So we also see all those things. Um, and then lastly, he's not a fan of kids, as we discussed. <laughs> um, and, and, and actually, when you think that one of them was Wesley, you might say, okay, I can understand that to a certain extent. Uh, but, it, but he just generally tends to not like uh, being a parent in general. But as you say, he goes in the Nexus, and what does he want? He wants to have a family. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of like, equate him to Batman in this way. There's just this, he's just that older guy who doesn't have children of his own. So he's adopting like every other one that's in sight. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he does this with Wesley. Pretty much every orphan he comes across. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, and even people who aren't. Um, like Riker, I mean, has a father, but, you know, Riker just isn't on good terms with his father. So what does he do? He basically adopts him. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so, you know, but I think he looks at all of the people that are under his command as in a way his children um, he's very much a father to his men. Uh, that's the way he has always been. Um, 
especially like in his older days. Um, you know, with Picard, I think we see that too. And the, the interesting with the Picard through is that even though he put them together thinking, okay, I'm not putting people I care about at risk, Picard can't help but care about these people. Right. <laughs> and, and, and he can't help but adopt them too. It's just who he is. He adopts people under his command um, and he'll go to the map for them and whatever it takes. That's just who he is. Um, and, and I think we see that especially uh, with Will Riker, um, who in many ways kind of embodies the Picard he used to be. Um, in, in many ways, uh, Will started off as brash and ambitious, and, and he actually points this out when Shelby uh, starts really getting on Riker's nerves. He's <laughs> like, oh, that reminds me of a first officer I once knew. And, and Riker was forced to agree with that. Uh, and I think it's ultimately because Picard sees himself in these people. Um, but Picard's also I, a very good judge of character, too. Yeah, you were saying? I think, it, I think it's worth pointing out that uh, uh, what Roddenberry's original vision was for those three characters, for Picard and Riker and Wesley, that they were each different visions of himself. Uh, Wesley being the young one, Riker being the middle-aged one, and Picard being him as an older man. So the fact that Picard would see uh, Riker in, in that way makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I also, I think it also makes sense because, uh, especially with like the comparisons to Kirk, I get the feeling that uh, Roddenberry sees both the action hero and the frontiersman, but also the man that Picard is, which is the diplomat, um, you know, the, the, the person that kind of represents, you know, 24th century values. Um, but he also sees himself in the young prodigy, uh, the, the person who learns and who adapts and who changes. Um, and Picard also has uh, that aspect, too. So, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we see that Picard uh, and, and uh, Riker balance each other out. Uh, Picard is very experienced. Um, Will is very uh, young, very, um, he takes a lot of initiative. Picard take, plays it safe a little bit more in his old age. Um, and those two balances them out. And I think that Picard probably values those things because I think Picard wants to make sure that he has that voice kind of prodding him on because he knows on some level he does take it safe, uh, especially after Tapestry, where um, his tendency to play it safe almost destroys his life because uh, he ends up making more mistakes um, trying to change things than he did or, or trying to be, uh, you know, taking it safe uh, than he did when he was reckless, oddly enough. Um, and so I think Will kind of represents uh, that thing that he thinks that he realizes that he misses and that he needs on some level. Um, but he's also very concerned with Will's career, um, especially when Will starts uh, slowing down himself um, and just uh, will not, like, take all of these captaincies that are offered to him. And Picard's like, why don't you take these things? You know, be a captain, you know, do, do these things. But I kind of wonder if on some level Picard is kind of grateful to that uh, because he does have a steady hand as a first officer um, and he brings a lot to the enterprise. And I think that, you know, Picard is uh, recognizable of that. But I think ultimately it's that family relationship. I mean, they're, they are, um, as much as they are commanding officer and first officer, they are in a way father and son in a sense. Uh, you know, because he did uh, kind of replace that father figure in Will's, uh, in Will's life because his father really wasn't that great of a dad. <laughs> Um, 
And so we see a lot of dad moments between them. Uh, the end of Tapestry kind of shows that. Uh, you know, he's telling all of these old uh, stories about his past to Will, kind of like, you know, how a dad will tell his kid, yeah, I was in the war. This is what we did. Um, you know, so there's a little bit of that. And meanwhile, Will is sitting there like, you know, I really would like to know that Picard. And, and, and so, you, you know, you kind of get those moments of camaraderie. And it's not always professional. It's not always about the ship. Um, and, and we also see that as well when he comes down to uh, the, the final card game. Uh, aboard the Enterprise, and 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 some of it is about Will as much as it is about the others, because yeah. Will is always the one that kind of ran the the poker game. So I think that, I think that Will was on his mind to a certain extent, um, and we see that deepening uh, further once we get to Picard twenty five years later, um, and and we kind of see that Picard it has pictures in Will's house you know, holding their son. And, and it's almost like Picard is almost the godfather um, to Will and Deanna's children um, in that time. And, we, and and he's treated that way by them. It's never openly stated, but it just seems like, you know, Deanna thinks of, of Picard as almost uh, like a, her father too. Um, and, and we get to see that, um, you know, the, the kids are, are raised with Picard in their life. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, Kestra knows Picard well, uh, even though she kind of refers to him as Picard, not as uh, Uncle Jean Luc or whatever. Uh, right. So which is kind of which is kind of interesting. Um, and we and we see that you know Will and Picard at the end are very relaxed around each other. Uh, there's a very close friendship between them. Um, in addition, you know, to uh, okay, yeah, he used to be my commanding officer back in the day. Um, but, you know, so it's kind of like a mix between father and son and very close friends who have done the same job, um, which I think binds them in a way uh, that's really unique. You know, what I find interesting, and it hadn't occurred to me until just now, is that um, Will and Deanna's daughter gets gets her impressions of Picard from Will and Deanna. Mm-hmm. And you, I think that she calls Picard Picard because that's what Will and Deanna call him. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a military sense, refer, referring to someone by their last name is a sign of respect. Ah. Yeah, and there definitely is that there. Um, the other thing that, that Kestra said that I think is really interesting is uh, she's the one, because kids always blab things that the adults don't want to say openly. And so the thing that she blabs is, oh, uh, Picard was the greatest captain ever. My dad said yeah. so. <laughs> um, so you definitely see, he Riker really does think that. He denies it after she says it. But it's like, you know he said it. You know he said right? it. You know he thinks that. It was that scene in particular that makes me believe that that, that respect was transferred from Will and Deanna down to her. Yeah, yeah. I think on some level she definitely thinks of him that way too, even if, like her parents, she's not openly saying so. So she, she takes the good and the bad from Will and Deanna. I find yes. that so interesting. Um, but and, and I will say the relationship ends up being uh, especially important when... Uh, John Luke is uh, assimilated by the Boar, because ultimately all of the the lessons that Picard gives to Riker, he has to apply in probably the greatest uh, test of of somebody's captain skills that you ever can, and that is having your captain and your closest friend be assimilated by the enemy, and then having to fight them as though they were an enemy 
while trying to save them. Um, so, yeah, so, and you can tell that while Riker is totally willing to give the order to kill him, you know, if he has to, Riker in the end does what Picard would do and he does eventually save him, but he at first has to think of the Federation first, uh, particularly like when he fires the deflector, uh, the, the uh, array at, at, at the Borg, it doesn't work. Um, but he was willing to do it. And I think that that kind of shows um, that Riker is willing to do what Picard would want him to do, even if it is at a personal cost to himself. Uh, that's how much he respects Picard, and that's how much Picard means to him at that point. Um, as for Picard's assimilation, uh, it haunts him for decades. It never fully leaves him. Um, it leaves scars on him, and we see it even in Picard. Uh, you know, that, that it definitely uh, has is one of those things that kind of gets back at him. Um, he resists the Borg um, and even proves instrumental in defeating him. So Picard's stubbornness and his idealism, even the Borg can't kill the human spirit. Even because his, his spirit is too strong, he is too stubborn, and he is too uh, dedicated to the Starfleet ideal to even be put down, even when he is mind-slaved by the Borg. Um, and, and that and, and it goes to the point where he's the one who actively stops the Borg um, right before they reach Earth. Um, because while Data is the one that kind of sets up the apparatus to uh, hack the Borg collective, it's Picard who decides to wake up at that point and he tells uh, Data to put the Borg to sleep. Um, because he, at that point, he is so uh, familiar with the collective from the inside that he has been looking for their weak points the entire time, and he's been looking for ways to defeat him. So Picard, even at his worst, at his lowest moment, is still fighting the Borg, and he's still fighting for what he believes in, which is the ideals of the Federation. Um, it is absolutely inspiring. Yeah, um, if that doesn't touch your heart, you might be a little cold. <laughs> yeah, even, even Picard's not that cold. <laughs> uh, yeah so you know oh yeah and the and and also we see this in his relationship with Riker because Locutus never refers to you as you know a human or or something else he always refers to Riker as number one you would think that the Borg would consider that to be irrelevant uh you know that that human names are irrelevant you know you you are you know you're just a an insignificant uh, biological being that we will uh, adapt and assimilate uh, no, he still maintains enough of himself that he can call uh, Riker number one, even as a, as Locutus, because that is what uh, Picard thinks of him as. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and Picard seems like himself after he frees himself, but um, he is very much a uh, trauma victim. And honestly, I think it's kind of implied that he has PTSD. Um, we see he has flashbacks, um, like in dreams sometimes. Uh, we see that in Nemesis, uh, not, uh, I'm sorry, First Contact, I believe. Um, we definitely see that he reacts to the Borg. Like every time the Borg show up, there is a certain anger in Picard uh, because he was violated. Um, and there is a part of him that, that does want to get back at them. But we see in Picard that he's willing to put that aside. He, he is willing to give the Borg a chance um, you know, to, to contribute something of value to the galaxy, um, you know, that this, that this group that has broken away from the collective and on the artifact, that these people can do something meaningful for humanity, despite his, his issues with the Borg, he is willing to do this. 
that takes um, a pretty impressive guy to do that. Um, and Picard has a, has a strength of character that I think endures even at his worst, um, which is uh, one of the things that's really so so interesting about him. Um, and yeah, so so I would say, and the other major relationship that I think is really important um, is with Q. Um, and I think their relationship changes a lot because Q is, at early on is like, okay, I'm going to condemn humanity. Humanity is, is a dangerous, savage child race. Uh, we're going to put them out of their misery. And I think it's Picard who changes Q's mind over time. Um, he clearly has respect for Picard. Um, he sees potential in Picard. Um, and I think this is why he spares him. Um, he sees that, you know, that the idealism in Picard um, is powerful. Um, he sees in Picard a hunger for knowledge, a desire to know things. And Q is very concerned, I think, with change, with growth, uh, with evolution, with expanding your mind to the wider universe and the possibilities of the universe. Um, I think Q is kind of where Roddenberry wants humanity to go, or at least that's what Q wants. So even though Q may be dismissive of humanity, he may mock them at times, deep down he kind of likes this guy because he seems like, okay, this guy is a little bit better than these other humans. So maybe there's hope for a, a, a better species to come from people like this man. Um, so what Q ends up doing is he plays games with Picard. You know, he's not necessarily like somebody who is trying to mean Picard harm actively necessarily, he just throws things in his way because he wants Picard to change and grow uh, through adversity. Um, so yeah, this is why he throws uh, you know Picard um, against the board earlier than they should have encountered them. You know, this is why you know he ends up uh, helping Picard relive his past, uh, assuming that we believe that it was him. You know, and this is why he even helps uh, Picard towards the end. Um, he is, in the end, humanity's biggest backer among the Q continuum. Um, and I find that a really interesting transformation. And I think it's because Picard inspires people. Um, he has this, this charisma and he has this firm belief in, in his ideals. And I think it sways people. And, and I think it sways Q on some level. Um, even though Q will never admit to this because, you know, he's, you know he, he's got this ego that he's trying to maintain. You know, he's a superior being, you know, he's not going to admit to being, you know, persuaded by this inferior person, but he is deep down. And there's even a friendship that I think grows um, at the end because of that. And I think this is why Q, in all good things, decides to help Picard at the end, um, not just because he disagrees with the dis decision to wipe out humanity, um, he disagrees with the continuum, but it also because he values Picard as you know somebody that he respects, and and also as somebody he considers a friend on some level, or as much as as a Q can consider any person a friend um, among mortals. And I think it might have been his time as a mortal that might have affected that too. But um, I, I would say largely, um, and then even at the end, Q admits to all good things that you know I believed in you, you know I, I thought you had potential. And that was a view he didn't have early on. And so you see, you know, even towards the end of the show, both Picard and Q have changed and their relationship has changed. And by the end, um, Q is a, um, you know, and Picard have this really weird friendship um, and they leave in peace, but also on friendly terms. 
Um, they never see each other again, which I think is kind of a shame, but um, I always kind of like that aspect. Um, so that pretty much covers Picard. Picard, I, I think, has a lot of problems. Um, he's a flawed human. I mean, he, like all of us are. But his belief in the Starfleet ideal, uh, his strength of character, his determination to change and to grow and to adapt, um, make him the ideal Starfleet officer, even if he didn't start off that way. He became that uh, because of his own will, drive, and determination. And there's a lot to love about uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Um, I would even say... I would even say that it is uh, it is Picard's flaws that actually make him such a great man because he uh, he doesn't he grow like you like you're saying uh, he grows he's not he's not just gonna stay stagnant so when he when he has a flaws uh, flaw he he adapts to it he 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 grows beyond it he he learns he 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 as a person. He becomes better because of his flaws. Yeah, um, yeah. He's somebody that is very much devoted uh, to change and growth, and and I think he took Q's lessons to heart. Uh, Q had to definitely had to uh, hit him a few times to make him stick, because you know he tends to be a bit stuffy. But um, in in the end, I think um, he does become better uh, for his contacts with all these people. He learns from all these cultures, not just you know in terms of you know. Uh, star mapping and 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 all these things, but also about these people that inhabit the galaxy, and that's what makes him such a great uh, ambassador and a great character. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, uh, I grew up watching uh, reruns of the original series and the Star Trek films, mm -hmm. which I think most people my age did. Um, to to my my understanding is that. Uh, uh, most of the Trekkies that we have now uh, started because of the reruns and not because of the original airing of the original series. <laughs> Guilty. I, I was one of those. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, but as much as I liked the original series and those films, it was always going to be my father's Star Trek. So uh, when 87 came around and the original series came out, uh, I finally had my own Star Trek. Uh, you know, this one, this one was mine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the main reasons the series is so beloved to me. Uh, but the main, the main reason I love the series is Picard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Picard was, as we discussed here, a good and honorable man. And in my opinion, the best captain to ever put on a uniform. Uh, happy Captain Picard Day, you guys. Thank you for listening to the Omen Comics podcast. This has been Steve Sellers and Michael Nunnally here with Omen Comics. And uh, we encourage you to look into all our Omenverse titles, wherever they might be sold, including Comixology, Amazon, uh, Draw Me in Comics, and elsewhere. Uh, if you like our content, please like, subscribe, hit the magic bell for notifications. And until next time, we'll see you in the Omenverse. I hope you've had fun hanging out with us today on ORP. I know that Steve and I have had fun making this episode. If you've had fun too, we invite you to share this episode and help us get the word out. For our Spotify listeners, we ask you to please rate our show as well. That can really help to grow our audience. But to all our listeners everywhere, we want to say thank you for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.